The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome. We've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hi there, and welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. Oh, today is going to be a great one for you. So I have brought back Kat Caldwell, the amazing Kat Caldwell, (laughs) to talk about authorship in like what's happening in the world of authorship. What are the trends that we're seeing as indie authors who have been around for a while? But more than that, Kat is also talking about what she's planning on doing this year, including the ways that she's helping indie authors to level up. In specific, she's actually utilizing retreats in order to help indie authors really immerse themselves into their writing, into the characters that they're trying to build, and helping authors level up in new ways that really we haven't seen a whole lot before, right? So if you're a new author or an author who's looking for just a little bit of insight into the trends that are happening, or want to just hear writers talking about being writers, this is a fantastic episode just for you. So let's get to it. Well, hey there, Kat. Welcome back to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm so laughing because we've been talking for quite a <laughs> while here. Woo! Okay. But I'm excited to bring you back. Obviously, you were on the podcast last year, which was amazing. And I know that there's a lot of cool new things that you've been up to. So I wanted to bring you back in and talk about all the fun stuff that's going on in your world. How have you been this past year? I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy as well, funnily enough. You're no, good, totally bored. Yeah. Totally bored. Yeah, that's, that's my life. Yeah, always bored, right? Nothing right? new over here. <laughs> nothing, obviously. The life of an author, nothing going on. No, I never have five books in the back of my head. <laughs> right? Only five? <laughs> At the moment, yes. <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. So what have you been doing? How have you um, been? So let's see, since we talked, I got certified through Author Accelerator for Fiction. And nice. hopefully by the time this goes out, I'll be done with my nonfiction as well. And that was an interesting step because I, I was just really into educating myself last year on craft and writing and those who have gone before me. And so I thought that I would sort of wrap it up with a little bow as like a treat to myself, which might sound weird to people like studying and doing work was a treat to <laughs> Not to this person. No, not at all. <laughs> I was like, I'm so curious about how other people are doing things. And I think Jenny Nash did a really good job of like, building a system where in which you are training hundreds of people to do kind of the same thing. And yeah. she did a really good job. So I'm, I was impressed with that. And it's a great community. Um, and it has inspired me on how I want to move forward because I really like teaching about writing and storytelling. And my husband's really tired of me teaching it to him. <laughs> Every time we watch a movie, he's like, how did you know that that was going to happen? Because I'll tell him. (laughs) So I should probably teach writers. (laughs) That's probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think they'll appreciate it more. So I thought about doing, you know, I'm a certified book coach. So the typical thing is you go one-on-one or like group. And I have some really great one-on-one clients, but I decided that I want to go into workshops Cool. And retreats. And so that has been my main focus for the first quarter of 2023. That's amazing. It's so interesting too, because it's such a different, like from one-on-one to going into like workshops and live retreats, it's such a different vibe. And it's so much fun to like actually get the experience of working with people in real life versus just virtually. I mean, virtually is great too, especially if you do something that where you can interact. But what, what, like, what do you think drew you to that sort of spectrum? Um, there's two things. So I will be doing, I do some workshops online, but it's always kind of been my dream. My husband's from Spain and every time we go there, I'm just like, I love that country. It's funny because I didn't give it a second thought growing up. It was all about France and Germany and Russia and England for me. <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot about it. Of course, I married someone from Spain and I had to learn all about it. And 
I think it it's always been a dream kind of in the back of my head of I would love for people to come experience this country, the food especially, and have a space to write. That's and so, so cool. that's always sort of been in the back of my head. And but then of course I live most of my life here. And you know, I know that writers want to have these sort of hands-on, almost one-on-one experiences, but a lot of fiction writers just can't or won't dive into one-on-one coaching. Sure. And so they're sort of they're sort of working on certain things like scenes or characters or how do I plot or my dialogue is terrible, you know, and they just don't, they're not ready for one-on-one or they can't afford one-on-one, like all the different reasons, right? And so I just thought, you know, there's always that pinpoint that you're just like, I wish I could just have a workshop about characters and like, why can I not go forward in this? And why am I stuck in my book? Or like, what do people mean by my book should be 80,000 words? I have written 160,000 words. And you, like, what does this mean? I had a, I saw this on Twitter the other day, you know, right? It was like, well, you need to cut scenes. How do you do that? I mean, I've been there. I've, I had to do that in the beginning. Right. Dialogue, like people want help on dialogue. And what does it mean? And sort of brainstorming and just having this interaction, because I also think that, well, maybe I'm certified and I've read all the books and I really like doing that. That doesn't, mean that writers don't also have some really great ideas as well. And if we can get everyone together, I'll say like, well, this is what your dialogue made me think of, or this is what your scene made me think of. And then you just get real feedback on, huh, that's not how I wanted my character to sound, or that's not what I wanted you to take away, or it is, you know? And so you just get that like way to move forward in the moment instead of waiting till you're you send the whole thing to your editor. Right. <laughs> you get that like overwhelmed feeling of, oh, I have to s- cut 60,000 words. That's insane. <laughs> well, and I think authors too, especially in the beginning, but I think if they've isolated themselves, like mm, perhaps after COVID, <laughs> yes. there was, there's this desire to know if you're doing it right. And the, the only way that you can really think about like, how can I do that is by getting direct feedback and you know, whether it's a writer's group or going to something like a retreat or a workshop where you can get that, it's almost like that, that very specific personalized feedback on your thing. But at the same time, you're interacting with authors who are in the same boat, or you're interacting with people who maybe know just a little bit more than you and you become friends. And so now you've got this, this thing going on, even if you're introverted, it's something that is so much fun to kind of push those boundaries and like expand your, you know, horizon on on writing on structure on everything it's so neat yeah. yes and i think you also see how much you do know which is also really encouraging of like being able to sort of let down your guard and give feedback in a different way i think than in a critique group i i don't know about you but I, every critique group i go to is we're a little bit guarded because it's usually very quick you know you have you know, two minutes to give your feedback on this and you have to sort of read really quickly and you, it's a very short piece, but an area in which you can just really sort of relax and know that we're all there. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, I'm still learning, you know, I still need your feedback. People will tell me like, oh, that's not how I saw this character. I saw them like this. Like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's in my head. You know, I mean, we all need it and it's great to get it. Like you said before. (laughs) <laughs> in the moment that we feel like we need it really. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when you get different feedback on words or dialogue, t- like for me, it was always dialogue tags. There were certain dialogue tags that I liked. Like, I think it was he snickered or she snickered or snickers or whatever. And to me, that just means that they're laughing under their breath, being a little bit like, okay, you know, yeah. and to my best friend who was reading as a beta reader at the time, she was like, that that's like being rude and mean. And I'm like, oh, that is not how I meant that character to be. Or like, no. Oh, wow. And so every time she read that, she was like, what an ass. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Isn't that fascinating? You'd rather get that before you yeah, publish. For sure. And it's always like, I always tell them it's about being empowered to make the decision as a writer too. Like oh, yeah. whether or not you change it, knowing that you chose to go forward in the decision, having made the decision on purpose, Yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Asterix snickered is right. <laughs> that could be a trigger word or something might not. Yeah. Might lead them not to not like this character as much. I don't know. <laughs> I think she got over it. Once I explained it a little bit more, she's right. like, oh, all right. Mm. I'll try to think of it that way. <laughs> it's so funny. 
it's it, it's so interesting how people do read and perceive the same piece of art differently. I think Joss Whedon actually said that where it's like, you know, you write this thing and put it out into the world. And all of a sudden it's like a teenager where it grows up and talks back to you, but it's not like what you expected it to be. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. So obviously you helping authors develop their stories has always been a passion. I mean, with your, with your courses that you have courses and the things that you do with your journaling and, and everything that you've taught on your podcast, it's just one of your loves, right? Yes. So I know you have some tips for authors when they're coming up with trying to find their storylines or their Mm. story more quickly. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, I've really looked into into this topic because I had some struggles last year as I was writing this story that I had in my head. And yet as I got it on paper, I threw it away twice. I literally deleted it and started over again. And I really think that it's all about finding your characters and spending the time. I mean, plotting is awesome, but you can only get so far with plotting and actually writing out that plot if you don't know your character. Absolutely. And I think it has a lot to do with, as we always say, their their wants, their desires, their fears, right? But also their personality and how you've developed them. Because the idea of like... So I was working with somebody who was writing a historical fiction and she's telling me all about her characters. And then she had like, in here, they're going to have, you know, the meat cute. And we were talking about how she has set up her character. And I said, that's not going to work for your character. That's, that's just not how she's going to see it. As far as what you've told me you want her to be like, right? Because, yeah, because she's dealing with abandonment and guilt and shame and like, even if he's handsome, if he bumps into her, that's not going to be cute to her. He's going to be like, I am overwhelmed and I am traveling and I'm with kids and all the men in her life have abandoned her or treated her poorly. So like, you're, we need to work, you know, work this out. And, it, yeah. and it's like, this happens to us all the time as writers, right? We have an idea of a certain, like how the story is going to go. And then we create the characters and then we're like, well, why isn't it working? Yeah. Why is it not <laughs> jiving the way I thought it would? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know, but you have read books too, where you get halfway through and you're just like, I don't understand why they're making these decisions. You know, like that's not how I have this character in my head. Yeah. And so I am really encouraging people to just dig into their characters and then to really be open to changing what you thought the book might be. Like right. what you thought the story might be. I think we all had to do it, right? People and characters have a way of changing things. Yes. <laughs> they yes. really and do. They'll make it better, right? Like if you're trying to force them into a certain situation, like I was telling another group the other day, like you're going to have different reactions from like Indiana Jones versus like Elle from Legally Blonde in every situation. Yes. So you have to think of your characters like that too, like really make them come alive and then put them in the situation and allow them to be how you've created them. But you can't like take Elle and make her suddenly act like Indiana Jones. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could get kind of close, I guess, with like the Tomb Raider chick, but (laughs) But she'd have to have like some growth there, right? Like she'd have to to get there at some point, maybe be dropped on a deserted island. I don't know. (laughs) Like what could Elle do on a deserted island? I don't know. Right. (laughs) I I love that you brought up the the meat cute because I I was mentioning this. uh, I think it was in my normal newsletter, even just this week where it's like, I had never even heard of that term. Really? (laughs) And I've been in this industry for like a decade, right? And like, because I'm more plot, like with my urban fantasy, I'm more plot driven versus care. I still create the characters. I still flesh mm-hmm. them out, but it like never occurred to me that something was described like this. And so when my friend, like I'm in the process of creating a uh, romance pen name and my, okay. my friend had uh, my friend NPA, Jenny had recommended uh, a so not meet cute. And I was like, what the what hell is, is a meet cute? Like, what is this? And now I'm seeing it and hearing it freaking everywhere. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> Like that and I'm like, you just okay. now you see it everywhere. I right? know. I can't unknow this now. <laughs> yes. I and it's just it's funny because we'll come up there's so many things to know with writing and the industry and like the genres keep like just ballooning. Like there's just branching out like constantly and the tropes as well and 
And so I think sometimes we just see things and, you know, sometimes maybe we just put names to it because we're not really sure where we're going to go in the book or whatever. And so it's just funny how many things there are out there. Right. Um, and that you keep learning them, even, you know, like I said, a decade in, you're going to learn something that maybe you just never had the need yeah. to know before now. <laughs> right. There's probably not a whole lot of meat cutes in sci-fi. Right. Sci-fi. <laughs> probably in fantasy, as long as there's a romance in there. Maybe if there's a romance. You know? right. But I'd never described, like, who describes things as that? Like, really? Like, why romance not a cute authors. meat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why not a cute meat? But I get it. Like, we want something that stands out and it's done its job. It stands out. Now it's in your head. <laughs> it's in my head. I can't can't let it go now. So weird. Yes, it is. <laughs> so weird. speaking of um, shifts in the publishing market, because obviously there are, are tons of them that we could mm. go into so many of them. I'm curious about your thoughts on AI. Like what, what do you think about AI and like how it's impacting authors right now? Because it's such a huge, huge it's thing that's huge going thing. on. I mean, I listened to Joanna Pence. So, and I listened to another podcast on futurist stuff and it's not, it didn't surprise me, Same. but I can see why some people are freaking out. I'm excited about it, honestly. I think that anyone who uses it well with their writing craft is going to benefit from it. And I think some people out there will probably use it to try to write a book. And I just don't think it will go anywhere <laughs> because I've read blog posts where you're just like, this is not a person behind this. There's no way. Right. <laughs> And it's, it's super interesting to me too. I'm very much the same where I feel like it's a tool that, you know, it's, it's like eBooks, you know, everybody thought eBooks were going to be the end of the book industry. Like no one was ever going to buy a paperback book again. It's like, okay, you know, and we were so scared of it. And now it's like become this, like, I don't know if another foundation, a different branch of the entire thing. And I think AI is very similar. If we can go into it with our eyes wide open, mm -hmm. trusting that we can utilize it as something that can help us versus being afraid of it. I think we can right. really do some interesting, interesting things with it because it, it can help you with, I mean, everything from ideation to outlining to character creation. Right. I mean, all sorts of ways, social media posts when you really don't want to have to write those, you know what I mean? All those things. <laughs> yeah. And yet there are so many authors who are so afraid of it. I think it's I mean, there, it's always going to be that way. There's going to be that fear side and there's going to be that, let me try this thing out and see how it helps. Right. I mean, yeah. it, I think it's kind of like, remember 10 years ago when people were afraid to send their book out because they were afraid that it was going to get plagiarized and copied. And I'm sure right. you were around for that. And yep. somebody just a few months ago asked me about it. And I said, listen, you can plagiarize anything. Like you really can. I mean, I send things out as PDF files, you know, to people worksheets, you know, checklists, whatever. I mean, you could take this book and you could just copy it and you, I mean, nothing's stopping anyone from that. Yeah. So, but I just don't see how it's going to benefit them because in the end, they still got to sell it <laughs> to make any money, you know? Right. So and if they get caught plagiarizing, now all of a sudden they've got a lawsuit on their hands. Right. So, right. so <laughs> I just don't see the point in worrying too much about it. I mean, I do think that AI has a lot of good points. Like some people are upset about the audiobook thing, but I'm actually kind of excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it will help reach people. I think more, it will get better and better. I cannot, I can't say that I just don't love my audiobooks with the real people because they can do all the accents and like, oh my gosh, I just listened to The Spy Who Loved Me and Rosamund Pike does it and she's amazing and like, it's my favorite. But let's be honest, like most books aren't on audio and I wish they were. Right, right. So, and so it just makes it more accessible to people who right. like audio versus just, you know, having to, I, I guess you can kind of get, I think, uh, what is that called? Whisper Sync, where you can get an, uh, right. your book read to you, but it's still not the same. It's still not the same. But at the same time, you know, the audiobooks having the option to choose between, you know, the, the author reading it, because I think Joanna Penn has talked about that. Where it's like, you know, the author reading it versus a full cast reading it versus AI, you have now all of a sudden choices and different price points. And so then you get to choose things. And so it just gives us more opportunity, number one, to make money from the, the same IP, but also just op different opportunities as a reader to choose what we want to listen to. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's really cool. I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people who's afraid of tech. I've never been afraid of technology anyway. I don't think we're going to ever 
You're get to the point. Writer. <laughs> yeah, there's never going to be a point where writers go, I give up. Never mind. I'm not going to do it. No, <laughs> you know? I think so, too. And, and I mean, the the art behind writing is writing about the human development and the human experience. So an AI can only take you so far, like you said, like, but I could ask chat GPT or if Microsoft gets their thing together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ask them, like, what would an Enneagram 3 do in this situation? And you just yeah. ask because it's impossible for us to know everything, right? <laughs> or like, how many times are you writing something? You're like, wait, what's that one thing called <laughs> you know, that I need to know right now? Or what was the were there cars in 1898? I don't even know. Like, right? Why yeah. wouldn't you? We use Google. I mean, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. <laughs> and the SEO, the how do I make a headline better? We're using AI already. So, oh, yeah. I, say, I mean, even with our Facebook crazy. ads, everything, they're running AI behind the scenes. That's how it gets better and more, more uh, adaptable for fi figuring out the audiences. I mean, it's, we've been using AI for a long time. It's just that it's now become more of a mainstream usage where, you know, like blog, blog entries to a magazine maybe are getting, <laughs> you know, AI written. And I, I think I've seen that on, on Twitter quite a bit where they're getting like overrun by AI written articles and. Yeah. Whatnot, and they're but... terrible at the moment. So, yeah, you know, you're not out of a job yet. <laughs> no, I don't think we ever are. I think there's going to be a point where they're going to have to put some sort of some sort of regulation in place where Amazon's going to yeah. require you to say like, is this written by AI? And if so, what percentage, you know? So there's going to have to be something at some point. It's just not there yet. It's not there yet. And I mean, the day that we're out of a job will be like the most restrictive society ever. So right. I just don't think that we're there. Like those are the, you know, dystopian, there are no stories anymore because we can't have people basically know. <laughs> right. Condition it. We're like, we're not, we're not living in the giver yet. Like it's okay. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> Oh my gosh. As much as it is art too, it's almost like a catharsis for us writers where it's like, we can't not do this thing. Like there's yeah. something in us where we have, we have to get some sort of creation out. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm not writing, so like if I'm, I switch gears to author revolution only, I'm focused on a course or something, even though I'm writing blog posts and doing the thing, I still get grouchy. Cause it's like, I yeah. want to get back to the book. I want to write. I know. I know. <laughs> I gotta at least plot it out. I have an idea over it here. Right? You know? yes. This character yeah. won't leave me alone and the meat cute has to happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like for our mental health, we have to yes. write a little bit, you know, or something. I, I feel the same. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we're still going to be here. <laughs> I, I agree a hundred percent. So with the publishing space getting so difficult and so hard to crack, do you have any tips for authors who are trying to be seen like marketing tips, things that you would oh. recommend them doing? You know, I, I have been sitting back as I, you know, keep throwing away manuscripts last year. I was also <laughs> looking at the market and just listening to a lot of people. And I, I've worked with a couple of different writers on their launching their books this year. And it does seem like everything is changing and I'm not quite sure where it's changing to. I am going to try Kickstarter this year. I think that it, it's much different to talk to people about supporting you as an author than it is to, hey, will you please go buy my book? Because people yeah. mean well, but they don't always follow through on things. And sometimes people don't mean well. So you know, there's right. that as well. Right. We're very, I mean, we, we tend to be very introverted. I can talk about your book all day and it's very difficult for me to talk about mine. You know, yep. so I'm going to try Kickstarter and I've been talking it up to everyone, even though I haven't, you know, launched it yet. Because I think that it does serve the author introverted mindset a little bit easier. I think also you sort of see a monetary return quicker. Mm. And of course that that's work. It's still work. It's still marketing. It's still writing up your copy. Well, it's making videos, it's setting challenges and being part of, you know, building this community. But I do think it helps you find your ideal reader sooner. See, you can see like how, wide your book might make it and mm -hmm. you might be unpleasantly surprised that this might not be a book for everyone but it's okay like 500 people bought it and that might be the cap you know i'm just thinking of like people write so many different things so i really recommend people checking out the writers mba russell and monica are doing a great job a lot of writers have been setting up their kickstarters and doing really well absolutely um 
it's definitely something to look into. For sure. And I, I think Russell was talking about at 20 books, how one of the ways that he recommends the launch strategy with Kickstarter is to like go, go all in with Kickstarter and then go wide, see how it does wide first. And then if, if it's not doing as well, then, then niche down to like KU to, to try to capture, depending on genre, obviously capture those whale readers as Michael Anderle calls them. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, it's almost like this funnel where your Kickstarter is pretty cool because it has this like wide scope spectrum where people are kind of perusing, like just for fun. And if there's not that many people doing it, because let's face it, Kickstarter is a little bit more putsy. Like you, you should do some of these mental gymnastics of like those challenges, those stretch goals, those, th- those fun things that right. make it fun. And when authors are overwhelmed or if they're not sure how to do it, they're not going to do it. And so that it's yeah. not as packed right now of a space for authors. And so it's pretty cool to, to like get into that and try to mess around with it and play with it and have that playfulness mindset that I think yeah. really does seem to be like permeating the, the Kickstarter author realm. Right. It's almost like what book launches kind of used to be, but now I don't know about you, but I feel like this nervous energy of urgency in the industry of like, I have to get out 50 books. I have to do, and instead of just enjoying their, their writing and doing the best book that they can, people are more focused on the number of books they can get out. You can only spend so much time launching those books. And now that things seem to be shifting, and if your launch only sells, maybe you give away 1500, but it sells 50. Like, why would you continue to launch yeah. the next one? Because you're just like, that's disappointing. And it's hard not to have that affect your mindset. Like, oh, for sure. Well, and I think we're kind of reaching the, I guess, the teenager dumb of indie authorship too, right? I mean, we're, we've kind of come into the, the, the teenage like how long it's been around where this has actually been a viable option. And so we're, we're getting past this like urgency to get, do all the things and do it all fast as quickly as possible and realizing, hang on a second, this could be a sustainable thing that I want to continue to do. And I think that's, I, I had reached that like understanding wall <laughs> when I was trying yeah. to develop a uh, rapid release roadmap because it was just so like, I, I knew I wanted to teach authors that you don't have to like sit on your book forever but right. I also didn't want to go to the extreme of, you know, writing like a crazy person every single year, because that's just not in my brain, not sustainable. And it's not healthy for a person either, especially right. authors. You know, right. we want, we want that opportunity to be with our characters for a while or really develop the storylines. And like you were saying, spend more time on the launch part of it so that you can really mm. celebrate its birth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like all the things. I think it's all the things. It's like, I mean, I could have launched uh, the second manuscript last year, but I wanted to take my time with the book because I knew like, and I'm sure you've had that, that gut instinct that it could be better. Yeah. And it's like, instead of, and I had to have my, my writer friends be like, remember, like, calm down. You're okay. You know, because of course there were times in which I was like, I didn't get a book out this year. I didn't get a book. Out. I didn't, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that other mindset coming in. And it's like taking the time to write what you actually want to write in a way that you're, you know, that you want to write it, finding the, the ideal reader instead of, I mean, ideal readers are, are changing. The readers are changing romance. You can't just say you're a romance reader anymore. There are like 50 kinds of romance now. Yeah. So you can't just market to romance. You have to find within romance, sci-fi completely different than what it was 20 years ago. You know, so YA, everything has changed and readers have changed. And I think it's, it's not that it's going to be easy or hard to find them. It's just going to require a shift. And like you, like you're ahead of the game on the mindset and the, the calming down and let's do this. And, you know, having the right mindset about everything from money to writing, to business, to marketing. So I think you're ahead of most people, but just watching you and Joanna and a lot of other people like telling those around me like okay you know just keep going we let's shift yeah (laughs) because that's all you can do is shift and try something else so kickstarter is my shift this year (laughs) i love it i'm looking into the the kickstarter realm as well when i actually launched the the romance pen name Mm -hmm. because it just it feels right for that particular pen name but it won't be until next year because i i do want to actually rapid release put my money where my mouth is kind of thing so I will be writing three books before I start launching them in right. probably January of next year. 
But I love the Kickstarter element to it because it's a completely new pen name. No one knows, you know, other than like the handful of people who did end up coming over by by personal invite. It's like they they don't, no one knows who this author is or who this person right. is or that I've been around for a while or any of those things, right. which is kind of exciting because yes. I can just like write a review about the book I'm reading right now or, you know, do some TikToks that no one knows it's actually me or it, exactly. it, it, there's almost like this fun anonymity that goes on behind the scenes as you're just connecting with the readers again versus like feeling like you have to perform right you know that's a good word for it is you feel like you have to perform and you have to be a certain person right and yeah i think it's awesome i i mean i'm i'm kind of following your strategy as well i'm waiting for two books to be done it's going to come out as a duology like you said like then you can still bring your book out why yeah you know like there's still more that you can do i think that sometimes we forget that books are evergreens Right, they are. Yeah, <laughs> you and you can launch them however you want. You can relaunch them. You could do a big, huge promo. You could decide, oh, we're we're going to celebrate this book because it's been out for two months. You could do anything you wanted. Anything. Yes. Yeah, make an event out of it. As long as it's an event and people are excited about it, like you are, then right. it's a thing. Right, and I think <laughs> it's about being excited about your book. Yeah. You know, if and it depends on the personality. I can't write six books a year and be excited about every single one of them. I just don't have like that capacity of emotion. And, you know, when my husband buys me flowers, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> whereas like other friends might be like, they maybe they can do it. And so I think it's like what you teach as well. And Claire Taylor is like finding what you are capable of yes. and what you want to do in your author career and following that instead of following other people. You know? I love it. Yeah. No. Okay. So you mentioned Claire, are you like, have you gone through when you're developing your characters, the whole Enneagram version of like your, your characters do, do you incorporate that? Yes. Yes. I I avoided Enneagram for the longest time until I picked (laughs) up her book and I was like, I bet she knows what she's talking about. I highly recommend her book. It's very, very good. Um, This is like the fourth time I've held this damn thing up. (laughs) Claire, this is the fourth time now, including your podcast interview. (laughs) You're making us look bad. Um, It just happens to be on my desk because I'm still going through like, or I'm I'm just out of reach right there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm rereading it now. I mean, it's a really well thought out book and I wish that she had written it, you know, 10 years ago when I started. But Claire, come on. Why did you take so long? (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome because it really pinpoints this like energy that I had been feeling last year. And I think she's correct. And so before the Enneagram, I resisted it forever. It, like everyone in my church in Texas were talking about it. And I was really into personality. So I, I've studied mythology and I've studied psychology and the personalities and it's all kind of the same thing. Um, sure. I do think the Enneagram helps if you don't want to do a lot of study. Like sure. it's a lot easier to, to grasp. Whereas like psychology, you have to like, it has funny names like openness and clothes and neuroticism. And people are like, oh, like, <laughs> like, oh you know? I don't want to be neurotic. What? <laughs> yes. What is this? So, but I think it's, it's very helpful to understand you as the author and what you should do in your career, what you're capable of, what will stress you out, what will make you, you know, still be kind to your family. <laughs> when right, you leave your right. office. And Even your when you're stressed. Too. Yes. <laughs> happy, you know, what what can what level of stress can you handle? But yeah, I do it for my characters. I think that it's absolutely needed because there are times in which you understand your character so well and it will kind of come as a like it's just intuitive. But I the more that I was so busy working with other authors and editing their manuscripts and then coming back and trying to find that moment of like being in my own work which you have less time and so it's harder to do the more i turn to psychology and personalities and now i'm using the enneagram and it just it helped me figure them out faster and when i'm writing a scene and they're not acting correctly like you know what you wouldn't act like this right now why wouldn't you act like this because you haven't gone through your full you know arc of character and you haven't changed yet so it keeps you from keeping from making your characters too good which is that that thing that we say a lot like your characters are too good and like what does that even mean it means that they're not acting like they would like they should be hurting somebody around them like 
verbally, you know, like not acting properly because they haven't changed yet. Yep. And we don't like to do that to them because we love our characters, <laughs> you know, and it's because they're, they're working out of their fear. Like I'm, you talk a lot about like the fear of money or like making it, having that different mindset in the manifestation. It's like, if you're not centered, you will act like this out of fear. Yeah. And so your characters will do the same because they're humans yeah. or they're animals acting like humans. <laughs> and it's so it's so great because the way she describes things too she puts you know the enneagrams in a circle and so she gives you a, a really good basis of like what what would a you know so i'm a, an enneagram nine and so when i'm operating out of like stress and fear i'm the achiever i'm the three right so I'm it's a like three and i oh. act like a nine <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we get along so well <laughs> now that we're centered <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> centered into our space. Yeah. It's so crazy. Right. Yeah. It, but it's crazy how you read it and you're like, oh my right? god. And all of a sudden you're like, that's that that makes a little too much sense. And now I have goosebumps. Okay. Yeah, it's freaky. It's yeah. freaky. Um, and I think it's great too because she then says like you're probably going to write characters because you care more about them in these certain Enneagrams. Like that's probably going to be your main characters. And I looked back at my books and was like <laughs> It's like she's psychic. Right? <laughs> How did she do that? <laughs> right. And and your ideal reader, like that yeah. was a breakthrough for me too. Like most likely your ideal readers will be very close to how, like how you react, how you see the world, which makes sense, right? Sure. Just, yeah, just like the energies are attracted to like energies. Right. So <laughs> not, instead of running around in circles, trying to make an Enneagram six or seven or whatever, you know, I don't know off the top of my head. I have to read it again. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like a nonstop process. It's so good. Like there's yeah. so much to dig into it, but yeah. But it's great. It helps you understand people around you and, and, and your characters. And it will help you especially write the characters who are nothing like you. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've read a lot of manuscripts where it's just like, that is a caricature. It's not a person so how can you write a villain in a sort of exaggerated way because you that's how you want to write it but not a caricature and i think that's about understanding personality and putting humanity to that person yes um and i think that it's made easier understanding these, these it things. is yeah for sure it, it helps because she she does break it down you know into like such a manageable methodology like what is their core fear what is their their core like desire what what are these characters these people who are in this operating out of this enneagram looking for and so it helps to just when you're trying to develop that character arc or trying to develop the character in general just understanding like what makes them tick it, it's almost like the condensed like cliff notes version in some ways yeah. you know yeah yes. it's super cool and it doesn't did you always feel like in the beginning when you first found out about this inner desire and outer desire that <laughs> everyone has a different name for it, right? Yep. And I don't know about you, but I like got super overwhelmed because I was just like, well, I don't know. And I started yeah. making it like very philosophical. And I think a lot of writers because we just that's the achiever in you. <laughs> right. We're just like, well, it should be something very deep, you know, and the, right. you just you go to the I just want to be able to like, get up in the morning and have coffee with no kids. Right. That's like, that's actually what I want. <laughs> what are we talking about? Life goals. <laughs> right. I want to drink my coffee hot. Thing. <laughs> yeah, but I think it just helps you go like, okay, well, he's an achiever. Well, that what would he want then? Well, he wants recognition. Oh, easy. Mm. You know, it, it, yeah. you don't have to go into this like, I don't know. You don't write these. Yeah. Well, as things. a child, he was forced to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we can spend too long on that instead of writing the book. You know, the, everyone has a different reaction to it, but I think it makes it clearer and easier. And kudos to Claire. She wrote a great I, book. <laughs> I, she did. And she did a great Kickstarter too. I mean, it, it rocked and she's going on to do her fiction Kickstarter right now, which is pretty cool. So it's, I, I agree with you that there's definitely this change in the wind when it comes to like how we're trying to launch as authors and, and get out there and be seen. And it's working really well. It's mm -hmm. at least it seems to be. And yeah. so I, I would recommend any author who's listening to this to definitely look into like, what are these authors doing and how is it working good for them? And what, how can you emulate it if you're interested in the Kickstarter side yes. of things? I should bring Russell onto the podcast. I haven't asked. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. He'd be a really interesting he person. So much. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
And I think he's so down to earth as well. So I'm part of the, I bought the class because I thought my whole, you know, last year and this year is to have strategy and plan because I might be an achiever, but I am <laughs> not organized. <laughs> so, you know, um, I tend to like fall head first into things. And, but it, it's also surrounding yourself by people who are very confident in their authorship and him saying he makes like graphic novels and stuff. And he says, I, my readership is very small. Right. And just hearing that and like Claire talks about it too for one of her series and just being like, wow, own it. Like just own it. Like I want to write this and I'm going to write it and it's okay that only a thousand people read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just being okay with it. And like that sort of energy just makes you like, okay, I don't have to be part of this rat race of beating the Amazon algorithm. <laughs> yes. Right. I think I wrote a blog post when I first started out called like F being relevant. It's, it literally <laughs> spelt it out though, because it was like, at the time that was the buzzword relevancy. Like you have to be relevant. What you're writing has to be relevant. What you're posting on social has to be relevant. And I was so sick of hearing that term that I was like, F being relevant. And I put this like whole blah blog post together yeah. about it. And I think it's so true though, because authors, we all have this thing that has to come out sometimes. And sometimes it can be written to market. Sometimes it can mm -hmm. be a thing that that really does resonate with the masses, but sometimes you have to put out something that's ahead of the time, that's ahead of where everybody else is, because it's the thing trying to come out of you. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you, when you don't do it, if you don't allow that, now you're shutting down part of yourself and you're not going to enjoy what you're writing. You're going to enjoy your job. <laughs> it's like, yes, I know you're not going to enjoy it. And I mean, like you said, it could, I think it, it could be writing to masses. I think most books are for the masses, right? It's just whether or not they find it. Like, look at Colleen yep. Hoover. She right. was doing it for years before somebody found her. Yep. And again, you're not going to be for everyone. Like, I think this strategy still of like NetGalley and Goodreads and all, like that has changed as well. The readers oh, yeah. have changed. They have, some people have a chip on their shoulders on the reviews. And so that becomes part of the rat race too. Like, did you, did the right reader pick up your book to get that review? Right. Maybe not. And when it's no, it can be really damaging. And it doesn't mean that your book's bad. It means that that reader didn't, didn't like your book. But that yeah, doesn't and if, mean if, and if they're from a snobby site, not saying that NetGalley is snobby, but there are definitely some snobby-ish reviewers mm -hmm. on NetGalley. <laughs> Absolutely. Goodreads yeah. too. I mean, everyone yep. has their opinion and it's totally fine to feel you know, that you have the right to opine on things, you know, but I mean, I've seen reviews that, that are like, I mean, a friend of mine, she got a review for four stars and within the review, it says five out of five. And you're like, but, but you didn't give her five. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Or people who are like, well, within my reviewing, three means actually five. And you're like, that's not how it works. Yeah. Right. There's a reason it's like five stars there. <laughs> right. So that's not how Amazon works. So you've actually like really put a dent on that author. And so you can't control that. Um, and so you just have to sort of roll with the punches and the changes and readers are going to change and likes are going to change. And maybe your book will be phenomenal. Like wh who was that lady last year that got her song on stranger things and like 30 years later, it's a hit, you know? Right. You never know. <laughs> so write the book. I'm so right. Well, Neil right. Gaiman with all of his like shows that have come out, Sandman and Good Omens and all the things, right. you know, Lucifer, whatever. It's like all of a sudden he's everywhere. And it's like, he's been writing this stuff for decades. For decades. He's just kept going. Right. So you can't yeah. be discouraged by a small readership. You can't be discouraged by changes. You got to be experimental. And like you always say, you know, just like be very open-minded about it. For sure. I, I agree because the, there's always something else. There's always a trend that you could be chasing. There's always something to be doing. And you could spend your life doing that if you want, or you can enjoy the thing that you're actually working on. And so if you're feeling called to try something new, if you're being called to do something different, maybe you're just ahead of the time instead of falling behind or feeling like you're not doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Because True. that is that is so key to listen to more, more of the inner you. Like, what is it you're trying to do? What is it you're really being called to do? Right, right. And how many things are stepping stones? You know, like, yeah. we all have to start somewhere. Like, I, I refuse to ever be embarrassed about something I wrote before, because it was what I could write at the moment. And I tell everyone that all the time, like, you know, you could work on your book for 10 years. And depending on life circumstances, maybe it takes that long. 
or you can just take the risk and bring it out and be proud of what you could do. Yeah. And then you just keep moving forward. And then, you know, yeah. I love that. That's such a good way to think of it too. I think so many authors hold themselves back thinking it's not perfect. It's not where they want it to be, right. but it, it's like, you don't know what you don't know until you finish the whole thing, get through that whole cycle, let it kind of go out into the world and see what happens and then learn from that experience of it. I, especially those first few books, I think are really hard for us authors because they're like our baby. It's like our first initial like, like step into it. Yeah. You want it to be so good. And it's never going to be like the most perfect book ever. I don't care. I don't care which author you are, it, but it has to get out there. You have to go through it. You there. have to do it. And you have to find your voice. And there's, there's really so many ways to write a book. Like I don't, you've read hundreds of books in your life. Right. And really there is deep point of view. There is, you know, far away point of view, whatever we call it, deep character who there's so many different ways you read a book from 80 years ago and it's completely different. Yes. People like who are, who are very well-known authors. Now you can pick up their book and go, well, that's not what I've been taught. You know, like this seems very distant or whatever. So there's just so many different ways to write a book. You have to find your voice and you can't do that unless you write. Mm -hmm. right? So yeah. your way of writing, you're going to find your readers. If I think if you stay true to yourself and you just, and you bring them out and you just say, you know what, it's just a stepping stone. It's okay that you don't like all my books. Yeah, okay. for sure. It's like, I love Lucy's score, but I can't say that like forever never was my favorite of hers. <laughs> it was great, but it was not her best yeah. where it's like, I love the books that she's coming out with now. It's, it's all like, it's all those learning processes though. It's all, right. you know, and even you as a reader, you're, sometimes you read a book and it's just not where you're, you are personally. And then you read it again, two years later and you're like, why didn't I love this then? What? Exactly. You know? Isn't that weird? So it's like, it's all perception anyways. <laughs> right. Right. It's, so it's funny. It's like, you'll read things and just be like, I thought I loved this. <laughs> you right? know, I this what mood are you in? What's happening in your life at the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird, but it's, it's cool too, in a way, because we're like our minds are so plastic, plasticity, like there's plastic, neuroplasticity. There we go. It's like, we're so capable of changing and shifting all the time. And yeah, it's just as a, an author and as a reader, as a person, it's like, there's always things that are going to be moving around and shifting. And so we can't be too hard on ourselves when we finish something in the moment and have to move on. And all of a sudden you're like, I've grown as a person. Well, of course you have, of course you've grown as an author. Yeah. <laughs> that's how this works. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you, you'll see it too, when you start receiving feedback with it, like without shaking and sweating, right? <laughs> you know? right. Like, and being very open to it and not being like, feeling like somebody just slapped you across the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it still is like, oh, well, that's disappointing. But you, it, you just shift as like, the more you do something, the easier it is, you know, well, and if you have that mindset too, of it's all working out for me, like it's right. this, this criticism, it's meant to help me get better. Or it's helped. It's meant right. to help the story be better. As long as you can right. go in it with that perception and remind yourself of it when it slips. Yes. <laughs> I think that helps a lot, you know? Yes. Yes. You take a minute. <laughs> yeah. Take a beat okay. go. <gasps> okay. It's all working out for me. It's all working out for yes. me. Yes. <laughs> you know, and a lot of it is like, Okay. Again, back to the, like, make the decision as an informed author, will you do this thing that they told you to do or not, you know, yeah. or that they comment on or not? Like you, you will have to accept the fact that some people won't love your characters and that will be, you know, feel personal. <laughs> right. Right. Cause it's a part of you, like a little part of you. What? Like, you that, but that's actually like part of like, is me. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like I actually do order my coffee the way she ordered it in the book. Like what? <laughs> I thought that was funny. You didn't think that was funny? Okay, right? never mind. Fine, fine. I see how you are. Oh, okay. So when it comes to all these cool insights, though, that obviously you have much knowledge. Do you bring these into your retreats? Then in your workshop, obviously the workshops you probably do, but like the retreats, do you have moments where you're teaching this stuff first and then everyone goes and then does their writing thing. Like how, how are your retreats being structured? So the online retreats that we just finished up when we, when this comes out, it is structured with the sprinting room open. So I have like a zoom room open. You, you can come in and write together. Not every 
writer likes to do that, but there is about at least an hour in between each workshop. And there's only three workshops a day to promote a healthy lifestyle and a little bit of writing. So we'll have, you know, sort of integrated meditative writing in the morning, a break, an intense workshop. And the workshops are set up so that there's teaching, but then there's time to brainstorm and ask questions and and maybe and write out the answers. They'll have a, you know, a checklist or something. It depends on the teacher. I'm not teaching all of them. I work with different people. So I had Tracy Gardner come in and Louis George said come in. And so they're in the moment, like kind of filling out the checklist as well so that you leave feeling like you did something and like you really get it instead of just theory. You have the opportunity to ask a question and then you have the moment to like either go take a walk, you know, and sort of let it, let it sort of just develop within your brain, you know, or to write if that if that's good. And I didn't want to pack it too much. I think three workshops at 90 minutes each is kind of a lot. You know, you might be yeah. they might be a little exhausted. I'll have to pull them. Um, but then in the in the in-person retreat, so we're having our first one in Spain in September. And it's fun because it's a smaller group. And so I can ask them and what are you working on? Are you working on nonfiction or fiction? How can we mold different workshops for you? And I think the main point of the in-person is that you get some writing done and that you have access to asking questions. And then at night, what we really want to do is come together and talk about the books and where are you stuck or what have you learned and what could, what could you tell people? Because you know, you always wanna tell people like, this is what I learned and you want people to be like, that's cool. You right. Know, I remember learning that. Oh, hey, I didn't know that. And our partners are usually very tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty lucky because Colin actually, I met him. He was a writer. I mean, he oh, still is, but he hasn't it. written for a while. So for him, it's like, it's fun. But yeah. Yeah. My husband's like an economist. He's on the completely <laughs> the other side of the brain. You know? That would be a little bit more of a stretch. Yeah, I can see his eyes clouding over. Um, but I think it's really rejuvenating to be with other writers. Yes. To see that not, I think we can feel like everyone else knows what they're doing and we don't, you know, but to sort of feel like we're we're together, you know, we can give each other advice, we can ask each other. It breaks down those walls too of like getting critiques or criticism, you know, I hate to use the word criticism, but more like critiques or reviews. It sort of allows you to, toughen up a little bit in that and to be able to give you know a review back and to learn how to do that because there's definitely a way so i'm really excited for september i think it'll be my first year doing it in spain my dream is to do it twice a year nice uh, so i'm very excited for i'm excited for the people who have signed up there's still time to sign up if you want to <laughs> how, do they, how do they get signed up they just go to my website catcaldwell.com and right at the top it's like do you want to go right with me in spain it's an awesome country. Food is really good. So <laughs> <laughs> I have not been to Spain, but I can imagine because uh, I had, well, I think most of us in like high school, we have to take a, you know, foreign language. And we had the, like for when I grew up, we had the most amazing, she was a Portuguese woman, but she was teaching Spanish. So half the time you're trying to figure out Spanish and she'd slip into Portuguese and she was like, oh, dang it. You know, she'd have to like try to fix it. But we always had like those, she'd have like a, I don't know, even know it was like almost like every Friday she'd come in with like an authentic nice. Spanish dish. It was so cool. And so you got to try it, you know, like two bites of it, you know, whatever it was, oh but gosh. it was super cool because you got to experience something that was so different. It was neat. Yes. I would love to do one in Portugal. I love Portugal as well. I'm not sure how the Americans would take to eating fish every day. Though. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, where's my steak? Yeah, I need some beef. What? <laughs> they have good beef too, but. Yeah, that's my dream is to sort of expand that out. And I love traveling. So to, I think that it also like really helps you shift because mm. you're there to write, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not in my office anymore. As much as I love Zoom, I love that it helps us interact. You know, I'm not sure you and I would ever have met if we didn't live right, right now in this time. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited for it. So if, if you want to come to Spain, heck yes. you should come. Well, and it's so great because retreats and well, especially retreats and, and those interactions that you're going to be offering, you know, even if you're a brand new author or if you're an experienced author, you both have things that you can share and experiences yes. that the other may not even have thought of because you've got, you've, right. you're living a different time. You're living a different perception. You're living in a different maybe era of 
the publishing realm. So you're seeing it differently. And so there's always those benefits that everybody kind of, you know, gets from that interaction and exchange. So So true. That's so true. I mean, it can bring an experienced writer out of a rut or help them see like, oh, maybe I should change some stuff. That's absolutely true. Um, And I do hope to do local ones. Um, We were talking before, I've just kind of come up against some logistics on it. But I do hope to introduce those in 2024 in person. Love it. In the States. So we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. So thank you for obviously coming back onto the show. But as a refresher, if my audience, if my listeners are are wanting to find you, can you one more time, give us a shout out on where to find you on the interwebs? Yes. CatCaldwell.com. So it's K-A-T and then C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. That is my website. You can find me on Instagram, catcaldwell.author, author on Facebook, because of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Be different. Um, I'm not on TikTok. My husband has confidentiality issues with the government. So yes, yeah, a part <laughs> of that whole thing. So it's Understood. mostly Instagram, Facebook. You can find me on my website, get on my mailing list. I'm very interactive on my mailing list. You can literally hit reply and ask me a question. It will be me answering that. So I love it. I love it. Well, thanks Kat for being here. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, I don't know about you, but Kat has definitely sold me on wanting to go to Spain. (laughs) I want to go to Spain and I want to do one of the retreats. It sounds like so much fun. I know for me, it's been on my mind to eventually bring in retreats and to do fun things like I mentioned in the podcast episode where I'd love to bring people to this area of Minnesota, especially in the summertime or fall even, when the leaves are starting to turn because it's just absolutely gorgeous out here. And I know that we have so many resorts and things that are going on. And it's it's definitely something that's on my radar. I just haven't had the time or the opportunity to pull the trigger yet. But just know that at some point, that's something that I would love to do as well. It's obviously not as exotic as Spain. We'll leave that up to Kat and her amazing team that she's working with. But overall, I just want to remind you guys that being an author doesn't have to be an isolated desert, right? It doesn't have to be a deserted island. It doesn't have to be something where you're doing it completely alone and by yourself. We have some amazing resources, some amazing people who are out there doing the work, who are teaching authors how to do more, how to grow, how to be better at what we do, including Kat. And it's important to remind ourselves that We at any point in time can connect with these people. We at any point in time can go to a retreat, can learn to hone our craft better, can learn something new about our craft even after we've been doing it for years. Things in the industry change a lot. And so we're seeing shifts in like the way that we're launching books, like we talked about with Kickstarter. Kickstarter's been a huge thing this year. If you've been following the podcast, you already know this. We've been talking about things like AI and how it's impacting the way that authors get to do things and whether or not we should be scared of this new introduction or if we should be embracing it. And all of these things come together to incorporate and make up the DNA of what being an indie author in 2023 really looks like. So I just, I hope this podcast interview was inspiring to you. I hope it helped give you some hope and give you a little bit of insight into the fact that you know all authors are in the same boat. We're always working towards upping our mindset game, being better at writing our books, being better at creating our characters, using Enneagram to be able to do fun things with those characters and understand them on deeper levels. Like we're deploying all of the things right now just to make our creations the best that we can. I've seen over the past 10 years or 12 years, however long it's been now, I've lost count because of COVID, however long it's been. I've seen over the years, this transformation, this growth go from like, we need to hustle and grind and do all the things and be all the places all at once to now understanding that we are in control of our destinies. We're in control of the way that we get to have our careers and the way that we get to move forward. And as we're doing that, we are creating some really incredible new dynamics that authors behind us are getting to follow. And it's pretty amazing to watch, actually. If you'd like to get the podcast transcript to today's podcast episode, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 183, and you can download it there. Of course, I'll have all of the show notes there with the links over to Kat Caldwell's website and her retreats so that you can check them out if you're interested in hopping in, and I hope that you do. (laughs) In the meantime, have a great week getting your words on the page. Think about what fun new opportunities lie ahead of you and go forth. 
and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.